Omnibus is a production of iHeartRadio. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is The Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1320.gn4226, certificate number 42729. Tortilla chips. Nothing gives your old lunch new life like Fritos brand corn chips. So munchy, so full of good corn taste. Now, you only have one child, John, that, That's you, true. that you know of. That's true. That's right. Love that joke. That's right. Classic. Well, no, and it, it's, it's fairly apt. So uh, you do not have to face one of the issues that I do with two children, which is one always feels, one or both always feels slighted. Oh, sure. I have a sister, and I remember, uh, yeah. I remember one of us feeling slighted, and it was always her. Yeah, it generally the family niches work out so that there is somebody who, for whom slightedness kind of is part of their identity. Right, it becomes their thing. Because children are obsessed with fairness. I don't know where they get this idea. Super innate sense of justice. Yeah. My little girl has like justice running through her veins. And uh, a self-interested kind of justice. My, my, my kids are not overly worried about migrant farm workers. No. But if somebody got to ride in the front seat more times than the other person, or if somebody's slice of pie had more ice cream than the other person's, clang, 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 you know, CNN breaking news alert. There was one particular Christmas where my sister was upset that there was, I guess, maybe one more present for me. And my mom was so indignant and she stormed off, my mom did, and was gone for a half an hour Christmas morning and came down, this says more about my mom, came down with the receipts for every present she'd bought, wait, wait for it, for the previous eight years. And it was... There's an audit on Christmas morning. And the the amount of money that she had spent on our Christmas presents over eight years was within $20. Every difference. year she's always making Just, sure the, the ledger balances. Yeah. And so she had the documentation right there. Like, in fact, I think, you know, Susan had $18 more worth of presents, at which point I got indignant. Where's my $18? I do remember hating the rejoinder from adults, which is inevitable, that life is not fair. Oh, that's As if they have done you a favor. Hey, it's a tough world out there. Sometimes your ice cream scoop's a little bit smaller. Yeah. You should thank me for preparing you for that. And really, the parent doesn't actually think that. No. The parent I, is dissimulating. The parent is just lazy and cannot ensure equal outcomes every time. And so they're pretending it's a parenting strategy. I do the thing where I just take her ice cream and eat it right in front of her. Just Li- say, life isn't fair. Yeah, how do you like this now? Maybe next time, think about that before you complain. I don't actually do that. Please do not write me any letters. Like, emails are like half sent right now. <laughs> People are backspacing. <laughs> so, in this case, the, <laughs> the reason this came into play in my life this week is my daughter, who's five years younger and is aware that her brother gets privileges she does not, for example. Five years? That's an interesting gap between kids. Did I say five? It's four. Four. All right. I don't want anybody fact-checking my... 
that's slightly less interesting, but still, you know, usually it's 20% there's... 20% less interesting. Yeah, <laughs> usually there's a two-year gap, right? That's the standard. If you're going to have a boy and a girl, you, it's like two years. What what made you pick four? There was no... You, know, you can't always pick. And, right. you know, in this case, we actually kind of thought, you know, there would be a silver lining. If four years apart, they won't be competing in the same oh, course, ecosystem right. so much. We've created two kids that will are close enough to be friends as adults... Yeah. But will not be competing for the exact same stage of like one will be going into high school at the same time the other is graduating from it. Sure. Dylan so will take on. a take an interest in caring for the baby. He'll be old enough, right? To And some of that did work out. But you know, definitely they're still kids. And my daughter, who is twelve, um, has come to me multiple times to ask why I talk about Dylan on Omnibus. Oh. But not her. <clears throat> Interesting. So really, it's kind of your fault when, when you think about it. No. You just meant, you just asked about, you just I said, love Kaylin. It's, and you know, she's much more engaged in life than she was even a year ago, right? I mean, she used to sort of be a little bit shy and demurring when I would come over. She has never had her brother's kind of unearned white male confidence. Yeah, that, he that just he, swaggers around. Hey, everybody, I'm a 16-year-old boy. Things will work out for me. But I had dinner at your house the other day, and she just has like charisma and a lot of strong opinions now. <laughs> she, she does. She kind of has the soul of an artist yeah. in every respect, not just a lot of creative projects buzzing around her head, but also the temperament of a stereotypical artist from some kind of 50s musical. I love to see that, that that motion where you flip the bangs out of your eyes by like whipping your head, just sort of like getting those cool new wave bangs out of your eyes. It's still, it survives to this day. You've seen that. <laughs> she whips her, whips her bangs and I was like, yes. I feel like she has chosen a haircut just for head whipping oh, yeah. potential. No, believe me, you know, I'm alternative. So I've seen that bang. You whip. came up, you've seen every variant of those bangs on many a subculture. I was ground zero for new wave. So <laughs> she has, uh, you know, her interests are all kind of center around Sturm and Drongy kind of things. She likes these, uh, this new generation of Broadway plays that kind of are aimed at drama club kids, uh -huh. you know, feeling very strong things. You know how Heather's is a play now for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Dear Evan Hansen and all the Dear Evan Hansen clones. You know, she loves these plays that are, they seem to be for drama club kids. They're kind of for queer kids, but they're all in kind of encoded. So none of the characters are actually LGBT in any way. They're just outsiders so that the little queer drama club kid can be like, yes. Yes, that's yes, me. Yes, yes. And they all have. My heart. Right. And they all have depression and anxiety. She reads endless fan fiction about this stuff. She, you know, she has her obsessions. Right. And in my day, we just had Depeche Mode and Roxy Music. That was your Broadway? Yeah, right. I mean, what, um, no, and then My Fair Lady. I mean, you had old right, exactly. Broadway. That's what I'm saying. Think yeah. how different Broadway was even like 10 years ago when the, the most emo play was like Les Mis or Phantom, you right, know? Right, right, right. Uh, I guess we had like Bob Fosse and stuff like that, but that was also cocaine drenched. It right, didn't that, have the like sad. That was coke and like a very weirdly, uh, I mean... I'm not going to say that only straights like Bob Fosse. That's insane. Right. But a very, a very <laughs> heterosexual energy, right? Right, right, right. Of course. Uh, to, you know, his glamorous womanizing characters. Yeah. When you think about it, there's no encoded queer kid in Greece. <laughs> Let me think about that. Who is most likely to come out 10 years after Greece ends? You know who it is? It's, 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 it's Rizzo. It's definitely Rizzo. Yeah. When she's saying there are worse things I could do, she means... I'm going to appall my parents in 10 years. <laughs> no, it's the, uh, isn't there a clearly lesbian volleyball coach or something? Oh, sure. It's the not, coach. It's not Nancy Walker. Sid Caesar's in it, but isn't there some, oh no, it's yeah. Eve Arden. It's, isn't Eve Arden the principal or something? Uh, no, I think of her as the coach. Is she the principal? Eve Arden. Let's just, let, let's leave it at that. Sid Caesar is the coach because he does right. the athletic oh, that's support. Right. That's right. That's so right. clearly the principal of, of Rydell High is a gay woman. She should be encouraging Rizzo to... Yeah, to but show her true colors. But that's not in there. And uh, is there like a? I mean, think about Saturday Night Fever. If there's any movie in history that should have multiple gay characters, it would be Saturday Night Fever. But it's all like Sopranos kids, right? I mean, that's pretty hetero. Maybe they thought they could if they cast Travolta, everybody would kind of get it. Oh, I see. <laughs> like. Like, really, how deep in the closet is this guy? What are the odds that some Hollywood cult will just cover up for him for 30 years? It won't happen, right? <laughs> no. Nobody will come after us now. Listen, you that. just said Hollywood cult, and we may get shut down. We may. may I, didn't name, I didn't name the cult. So if they, have, if they have some kind of Alexa that listens into media to hear the S word. Hear the, hear the word cult. <laughs> right. We are in the clear. Yeah. Oof. 
Where's my Hollywood cult? Let me give you a coffee cup bell. People are mad you don't have your bell. Where is your bell? You know, I'm moving and my bell is in a box that says random stuff from studio. I just want my dictionary out of that box. I I do not want your bell. There's like two distortion boxes, my bell, your dictionary, a couple of athletic supporters. I mean, who knows what's in that box? It's very on brand that I have a dictionary (laughs) and you have two distortion boxes that don't work. Uh, But Caitlin's other deep love is Disney theme parks. And she wanted me to do a show that touched on... Hmm. Disneyland. She wants to be an Imagineer someday, which is short for uh, imagination... uh, Engineer. Domineering. Ooh. (laughs) Dominatrix? Imaginatrix? An an engineer. (laughs) I could not think of a word that ended with ear in time to do a joke. Engineer of the imagination. I want to be an imaginatrix. (laughs) I feel like I'm on my way. If you pay a little extra at Disneyland, (laughs) you can have the princess of your choice show you around... The way she wants, not the way you want. Well, so Caitlin, we're going to go on Astro Orbiter again. <laughs> no, that's the worst ride. I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. I mean, it's the worst ride, Mistress. Caitlin is just at that age where she's a teenager and is becoming very much dramatic and aware of her identity, but at the same time, still very connected to Disney. How long do you think that Disney connection will I'm kind kind of wondering. Broadway has kind of supplanted it. And, you know, maybe Broadway is the Disney emo musical thing for a slightly older kid. It kind of is, right? Yeah. Uh, You replace your Princess Anna and Queen Elsa with Princess Rizzo and Queen Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) But she had a very specific idea for a Disney theme park theme show. And, of course, we on the Boysenberries show, we did uh, entry. Sure. We explained to the future how a hybrid fruit led to the creation of not very far. Theme parks south in the orchards south of LA, which today kind of dominate that landscape. But she wanted me to talk about tortilla chips instead. Because are you she, on board with this? Well, so now my sister was a vegetarian, starting at depending on whose version of the story. Yeah, what is, what is the thing? Is it the la- is it like you're an alcoholic? Is it the last bite of meat? Uh, it you know sometimes she's a chicken-tarian. On and off, right? There, but what's the? There must be a better prefix. Oh, uh, like a, a pescatarian eats fish, right? So it's a, a, a ava, avatarian. <laughs> you eat, eat Ava Gabor, but she she never liked meat, and her, the first time she went vegetarian, the the problem is that she also doesn't like vegetables or really healthy food of any kind, and so she became what I called what I mockingly referred to as a Taco Bell vegetarian. She would eat garbage food, but as long as it didn't have meat in it she felt like she was accomplishing her goal, which was a combination of virtue and also just she just didn't like the meat. But she would, you know, Taco Bell made a point to have their beans be vegetarian rather than cooked in lard. So they became like the fast food of choice of vegetarians. And my sense of Caitlin is that she is having had dinner with you also somewhat of a Taco Bell vegetarian. That's very good. Although if she's listening to this, let me just disagree with, <laughs> with that in the strongest possible terms, John. I mean, Kate, Kate also has been a vegetarian for like three years, okay. which impresses the hell out of me. Sure. Because we assumed it was just a, a passing nine-year-old's fad. Because you guys put pork chops on the table every <laughs> night. <laughs> we <And> gr- <laughs> grind up pork rinds and stir them into the, the vegetables. And then Mindy has to have a separate – it's like you keep a kosher house, right? She has a separate set of pots just to make Mindy, re- So we have, we have one child who, will, who loves dairy but not meat. And one child who, Dylan loves meat but will not eat dairy. Like, I mean, he doesn't like cheese. You have a kosher household between your two <laughs> right. children. We have made sure our children <laughs> observe kosherate. Uh So Mindy is often making like three dinners, like the normal right. food for us, some dairy, cheese-free variant for Dylan and some meat-free. Di- and I'm always just like, you are not a short order chef. Just make us all eat something we all dislike. Right. And that's, you know, simplify your life. Lentils please. every night. Doll bot. <laughs> the funny thing is she'll be like, and you don't even like lentils. <laughs> this, is, this is my great crime. <laughs> you don't like lentils? I, I don't dislike lentils, but I think she remembers once, you know, she served lentil soup and I was like, ah, I like this with navy beans better, you know? Oh. And so she's like, well, Ken, now Ken's complaining about the sure. lentils. Sure. Difficult dad. What a classic trope. Comes home from work. Throws his shoes everywhere. Where's my navy beans? I want navy beans. <laughs> I didn't slave away for 10 hours today in an office to come home to lentils. Putting food on the table. <laughs> and so... So tortilla chips. How does Caitlin... What portion of her diet is made up by tortilla chips? 
I wouldn't say she's, you know, even though she is a Taco Bell vegetarian, she's, she doesn't like every vegetable is the problem. So we'll often try to serve a vegetable side and she'll be like, mm, broccoli, no thanks, or whatever it is. What about Brussels sprouts? Uh, I think she might actually like Brussels sprouts. What about cauliflower? Cauliflower is a hard time keeping track. No mushrooms, which is tricky. Oh, that's a, that's, they're delicious they're and, and often a good meat sub, substitute. Mushrooms. Uh, it took me a while to learn to eat mushrooms, but. One, I, one of the kids doesn't like asparagus, but I can't remember which one. Uh, you know, asparagus one, is one, a, another thing with having one kid is you never have to remember oh, which one of my damn kids is the one who right. you're always like, whatever the annoying thing is, probably her. Which one is really into Broadway musicals right now? And which one is playing Minecraft online with his friends? <laughs> Let me see. I can't remember. Which one is making fun of me in the group chat with an emoji <laughs> whose meaning I don't understand? <laughs> probably my 16 year old. What's amazing uh, is that you really try to restrict his access to the internet and seem to be failing. Well, Whereas, you try to put up what seem to you common sense limits, like a 10 o'clock curfew or no phones at dinner. Right. And then there's, you just can't do anything. It's like uh, Steve McQueen or William Holden. He's going to keep trying to escape the camp, <laughs> like no matter what you do, no matter what kind of kindly German officer you try to paint yourself. There has to be some kind of mechanism where you can just shut down the Wi-Fi at a certain point. We have talked about this. The problem, you know, the problem with the EMP option is like, I want to be on the oh. Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm an adult. I put food on the table all day. Right. I deserve to scroll through social media from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. inclusive. Sure, you slave away all day scrolling through social media. You deserve to have some time off. But Caitlin will often be having her, um, just her gross but meatless food, her um, dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets that are not chicken. Right. Or uh, her... her Boca burger, which is, I don't know what. Well, now, have you tried this new meatless burger? The impossible um, the burger? amazing burger or so, whatever? Yeah. And so the future listeners are appalled that we would eat the flesh of, of we ever creatures. Ate a, ever ate a meat. What a terrible, unsustainable thing we have done. Think about the great music that the chickens made after we were gone. And the futurelings are like... You killed all the best musicians. You ate 100 million Costco rotisserie chickens a week in your country? <laughs> and you didn't realize that all they needed was uh, to be handed the amazing chicken instrument? And all of a sudden, the music of the spheres. We cut off their heads or, or cut off their heads partway in some right. cases. Right. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout i mean in fact speaking of costco and supermarkets i mean food wastage is one of the great problems of our time. This is how we're going to get back to tortilla chips. Well, we should we should put all that wasted food into the anything into oil uh, refinery. Yes, why not? Cook it back down. 10% of all of the U.S. food output every year is wasted in the supermarkets. Another 20% at home. So they, it just comes to the supermarket and then it sits there for a couple of days. It gets a little wilt on it and right. they just huck it. And that's usually the problem. It's often produce that's still edible, but it gets tossed because they know no one's going to pick the, the mango with the brown spot or the, the kale that's looking a little sad. So back when I was dating girls who flipped their bangs out of their eyes, we used to actually dumpster dive for that food. And then supermarkets started locking their dumpsters. But I still have freegan friends in Seattle who... Uh, eat dumpster food and they have a series of rules. It can't be touching the side of the dumpster. Well, that's a or, good rule, you know, right? That's a common sense rule. That's sure. like turning off your phone at 10. You don't, you don't really want to grab a bunch of meat out of there unless it's, I don't know. I didn't want to eat a bunch but of the dumpster problem, meat. The problem is there's liability reasons that supermarkets are petrified of. So they right. lock their dumpsters and it goes beyond that. They will not even donate the stuff in a lot of states because I think there's only like six U.S. states that have regulatory, that have laws in place to protect the supermarket if something were to go 
wrong or to make it easy at least for them to say, hey, food bank, here's some slightly brown bananas. Do what you will. Do you donate to the food bank? Because we do uh, at my home. We take all of our canned goods that are a little bit old. There, there has been a weird shaped carton of New England clam chowder in my car for about six months because it fell out of the car during a food bank run <laughs> and no one has got it out. And I never sit in the backseat of my own car, but anytime somebody does, they're like, New England clam chowder, huh? <laughs> I may be making a food bank run on the way home today to end this ugly period of my life. I absolutely had a box of food bank stuff in the back of my car for three months because I, I went by and it was closed and I was like, oh, I'll stop by there later and just sat in the back. A lot of the food wastage at home is just people misreading, by the way, misreading like used by dates or best by dates. And they think, oh, I better. Which is all fake, right? I mean, yeah, most it, used by dates are just. It's just some arbitrary. This is the year we tested it. The chili didn't go bad. We're legally covered now. Right. Um, and, and it does not mean on day two after this, that's when everyone gets botulism. And the worst that normally happens is just that the food tastes a little tinny. I think that's probably right. I don't want to give anybody food poisoning because they heard this and were like, oh, boy. And they dug into whatever canned food is in the rubble. Well, there is a <clears throat> there is a, a a listener to a lot of the podcasts that I do by the name of Don Schaffner, who is a, a full professor of food safety science at Rutgers. An F P F S S A R. And he often, when I talk about food online, and particularly because I like to eat old food, I like to. Yeah, it's kind of your. Uh, yeah. Your, your whole thing. You got some old food, I'll eat it. And, I like to eat old food. And I put I put food in the fridge, like leftovers, and let it sit there for a while to, you know, for the flavors to blend. And Don will always chime in and say, basically his premise is that every time you eat any food, you're taking a certain amount of risk because all food could be dangerous. But in most cases- I like that. I feel like a daredevil now. Yeah. Like, I ate something just this morning, and I'm still here, but who knows? There you are, but it could come at you. At any time. So Don says, most food is in this perfectly acceptable risk category. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to get E. coli from, from the romaine. Uh, but then as food gets older, as it's been through more iterations, you know, your risk increases. So your hamburger's been sitting in the refrigerator for a week. Is it fine? Probably. What's your chance? You know, he's just like, roll the dice every time you put food in your mouth. But I mean, spending 12 or 24 hours barfing is unpleasant enough that a lot of people would say, it's probably fine. I'm going I'm to waste this food. Hamburger starts to smell if you don't cook it. It gets that weird color also. Yeah, it does. Um, Let's not talk about this. I'm sure there are some squeamish future links who are like, why are you even talking about stop hamburger? talking about meat. God. Make your uh, sample food an Impossible Burger. Cows are the most elegant dancers and you murdered them in the tens of millions. <laughs> I don't think cows are the most <laughs> elegant dancers. Well, but future links have a different standard. The Bob Fosse of the future is making... Uh, Making tap routines for We just weren't cows. giving our cows enough cocaine. Well, that's it. Or cowcane. So there are remedies to this. Supermarkets are kind of waking up to the fact that they're routinely getting lousy grades at this stuff. You, right. can, you can do things like whole crop purchasing where the supermarket tells the farmer, okay, you know, contracts to buy 100% of the crop, and then they have to figure out what to do with the rest. The farmer does. No, the, the supermarket oh, the does. Supermarket. So, and that just means that the farmer is not stuck with his 30% worst food and mulching it. Right. Because it was not quite as pretty as the other pineapple or whatever. Well, speaking of mulching, I would think that the smoothie culture uh, would have solved a lot of this problem because if a banana is brown, you just throw it in the blender and make a smoothie out of it. Nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, if a banana is brown, blender it down. Yeah, If the banana is. is yellow, put it in your mouth, fellow. <laughs> the, uh, that, so that's what's happening. Now that supermarkets do a lot of prepa more prepared foods, you can take the hamburger that's a little dicey and put it in tomorrow's meatloaf in the food court. You can take the bananas and put them in tomorrow's dessert things. Sure. And, and that's actually where our story begins. <laughs> in 1955, uh, Disneyland opened thanks to the influence of uh, Mr. Knott and his berry farm. And suddenly, as we said on that show, Southern California became the American dream and particularly the American dream for every American under 12. Oh, this is connected to the Knott's Berry story. In that uh, Southern California is now America's vacation destination for every kid with a coonskin cap or a Tinkerbell wand. Is that or both in some cases? I don't want to overly binarize 1950s America. Do, oh, I see. In the 50s, I was I was trying to. I thought you were talking about now and thinking 
How many kids are wearing coonskin caps? Has that come back? I'm just saying that before 1955, kids were not like, we got to go to California. We'll go to the beach. And right, yet, right, right. Walt Disney very cleverly put this hour-long ad for his park on every Sunday night on ABC. I loved that show and so much. went on to run for 35 years on two different networks. And it was basically the old soupy sales joke where Walt was like, children, tell your parents to come to my park. You need to come next summer. All your friends will be coming and you will feel awful if you don't get to go. I mean, that's the subtext of, of pretty much everything. Right. So kids are like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. So all these parents who had never been anywhere near the southwestern part of the U.S. are suddenly pouring into Disneyland, being dragged by their appalling Mickey Mouse Club-eared children. And then they're thinking, it's pretty nice out here. It's uh, 15 degrees below zero yeah. in Ohio right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it becomes very appealing. Uh, and that kind of becomes, you know, this is the dream of, of America. It's a warmer, uh, kind of a utopian place. This also plays into our entry about the Los Angeles aquifer, water supply. But right. um, the founder of Fritos is Texas's own Charles Elmer Doolin. He wants to be the future of Tex-Mex food at Disneyland by virtue of the fact that he is A from, you know, well, or at least now owns a company headquartered in Plano or San Antonio or someplace and makes Fritos, that delicious, authentic Mexican food. I love a Frito. <laughs> I can't, I, I cannot countenance anyone talking, uh, saying a single bad word about Fritos. Are you extremely pro-Frito? Fritos and Cheetos are uh, my go-to and any kind of like, additional flavor to those things is uh, haram. Uh, interesting. You I, want it to taste like corn. I want Fritos and Cheetos. I do not want hot flavor or cool ranch flavor or any kind of other thing. Well, we're going to have to talk about this in an in a entry about tortilla chips. Let's note for a second that Fritos and Cheetos are both made by Mr. Doolin. You, you have him to thank. But he, he bought a recipe from uh, somebody who was leaving the Fritos recipe. Here's here's how you make Fritos, and here's a potato ricing machine. And wow, because Fritos are not tortilla <laughs> chips. What? What? Tor Say what now? Tortilla. You don't make a tortilla and then fry it to make a Frito. Okay. A Frito is just cornmeal that's extruded into a deep fryer. Yeah. So you, it's just it's just goop. It's <laughs> Tell like a me churro. More. It's like a goop that you've squirted into oil. Oh. And you've made a you know it's a paste that you have made. Fritos out of. So the extruder makes them into those little strips that curl up and... I think so. I, yeah. I'm trying to picture how you would make that. And I'm sure it's something like the way you make golden grams that shape and crunchiness, but but with a deep fryer. So those are headquartered in Texas, but they were made specifically for a Disneyland audience? No. Fritos are already... Uh, Fritos have been sold since the 30s. But Mr. Doolin uh, tells Walt he would like to open a... Tex-Mex restaurant in Frontierland, the cowboy-themed part of Disneyland, oh, sure. which would be called Casa de Fritos, which is Spanish for House Casa of, de Fritos. House, yeah. House of Fritos. For House of Fritos. So Fritos doesn't mean anything. Right. Fritos means fried. fried. House of fried. Small fried. <laughs> Small fry. <laughs> that would be frititos. <laughs> uh, at the time, Frontierland had a, uh, a kind of a French Quarter-looking place called New Orleans Street. I remember it well. Not New Orleans Square, where, where Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion are today. No, no, no. I remember it from ye olden times. But old-timey Frontierland had a kind of a vaguely New Orleans-looking place. And so right next to... Where they did can-cans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the Golden Horseshoe Saloon is right there, I think, right. brought to you by PepsiCo, which, by the way, not yet merged with Frito-Lay. Those, those are their separate companies. Fritos does not merge with Pepsi until, the, I think, 70s or 80s. Maybe that's where they met. <laughs> they met in Frontierland. <laughs> oh, Fritos and Pepsi. <laughs> but Disneyland's very different than we remember today. There's an Aunt Jemima Pancake House right there. Is <laughs> there a Sambo's? <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, John is referring to an actual, extremely racistly branded uh, diner chain that existed in America, and maybe it was of Seattle origin. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of them in here in Seattle, and one of them now was one of them a long time ago was converted into like a grow shop. If you were <laughs> doing hydroponic growing of orchids at your house, and one of them I think is Randy's Diner right down here by the airport, where we ate the other day. Yeah. One of the sambos here in town, I believe, had the kind of their classic architects where you would have to walk through these grotesquely caricatured lips to enter the oh dear. store oh, there was to a, enter the restaurant. There was a Sambo's up in Lake City too. I mean, their logo. I think that's the one. Their logo was a little. Uh, like a kind of awful pickaninny caricature. South Asian boy in a loincloth riding an elephant. Oh, right. Because Little Black Sambo, we assume is an African stereotype, but the book is explicitly set in India. It's India. There are tigers. Right, right, right. Well, this is all very confusing. I don't know who's going to be most offended. 
Uh, in the future, I'm sure it will be the dancing cows and the singing chickens. <laughs> well, the dancing cows probably hate India already. No, they love India. They India, love India. India doesn't eat beef. No, that's the first place. What that am they, I saying? They yeah. felt safe and developed their dance. Their so, dance, which is just walking slowly through the street, blocking traffic. So there were possibly there was awful caricatured branding on Aunt Jemima's p- pancake house. But right next door in, in Frontierland. Was Mr. Uncle Ben's rice house? <laughs> no, Mr. Doolin built his house of Fritos. Oh. And a, a couple years later, uh, it moves to the other side of Frontierland where there's still a Mexican place in Disneyland today. And it becomes kind of an old, oldie Mexico Zorro looking faded adobe kind of place instead of the faux plantation look of, of New Orleans Street. The Taco Bell uh, exactly. iconography. Exactly. Vegetarian Taco Bell uh, Mexican architecture. Yo quiero Taco Bell. And there's wandering guitarists. There's white OC uh, high school kids in Mexican garb trying sure. to upsell you on. And the menu is, the funny thing is the menu is just, you know, tamales <clears throat> and a bowl of chili mm-hmm. and enchiladas. Everything comes with Fritos on the side. Authenticity is not a, at a premium here. But here's the crazy thing. No one has ever seen this stuff before. Oh, All these right. Midwesterners pouring into Anaheim are like, look at this, honey. What What is a, a tame ale, you know? So taco, so uh, Tex-Mex cuisine developed organically in Texas mm-hmm. by, by Mexican food coming over the border and Texans saying, well, that ain't Texas. Let's extrude it through a thing. <laughs> Let's extrude it. That's, that's the main thing. <laughs> you know, wanted. this food ain't been extruded. Ain't been extruded <laughs> enough. <laughs> I am not mocking Texans, by the way, except as an Alaskan, I'm entitled to mock Texans. I think we are not mocking Texans any more than any other regional uh, American. No, I'm going to start mocking culture. Ohio again. So a lot of people had not, and it had not, it had not spread northward much. Like it was, it was a novelty food the same way Thai would have been in the 80s or sushi in the 70s. Let me say the first couple of times I went to Europe, you could not find Mexican food anywhere. I mean, it was not available anywhere. No mm-hmm. chips, no, mm-hmm. you couldn't go to a restaurant. And in fact, New York City, only had, as late as the early 90s, only had one Mexican restaurant that I could think of. In the 90s, New York City was culturally famous as the enemy of Mexican food. Do you remember those uh, picante sauce oh, ads? Right. New York City. Get a rope. In fact, no, wait, it was into the early 2000s. I think there was a, there was a Mexican place on the Lower East Side. And then maybe one of those, you know that thing where Indian food is just gross street food in London, but in America, every Indian restaurant is like really nice and (laughs) dinner is always 17 bucks. I think there was a Mexican place in New York that was like that, like come in to Casa de Expensivo. Authentic Cultura de Oaxaca. You know, here's a $28 shrimp taco. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, But so none of this existed. You have to imagine America where nobody ate tacos as a snack. That's amazing. Um, So people are just lining up for Casa de Fritos in Frontierland. They cannot get enough of this stuff. You can, you know, people are trying to sell you bags of Fritos as souvenirs. It's all very heavily branded. (laughs) But uh, here's the thing. They're selling taco shells and tortillas, uh, but Frito does not make those. There's a local tamale wagon in Orange County called Alex Foods. Um, which has kind of grown into a Mexican food empire for a growing Latino population down there, owned by a Sonoran immigrant family called the Morales. And I think it's still in business today as Don Miguel, which mm. is a big, oh, sure. a big Mexican food outfit. Their stuff. And they're the ones that are, you know, just pushed to the limit making enough taco shells and tortillas for Casa de Frito. Um, other Mexican eateries, it turns out, had been frying up the unused taco shells and tortillas for probably centuries. I'm sure some, somebody had decided that when one of these was getting a little old, instead of wasting it, you could fry it up into a, into a crunchy treat. Right. Yeah. And in fact, 10 years earlier, there's a specific Mexican deli in LA County where uh, somebody named Rebecca Webb Carranza kind of famously started selling these bags of, she would fry up the old tortillas, cut them into triangle-shaped wedges, fry them up, and sell a bag of them for a dime. Not covered with cinnamon and sugar, but salty. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, plain or possibly salty. So this is kind of in the culture, the fact that if you, you can, this is what you might do with old tortillas. And apparently one day at Casa de Fritos, a cook does the same thing. He takes the leftover tortillas and fries them up and they're delicious. Somebody sees them, a customer asks for them. Eventually it's a hit, it goes on the menu even. Mm-hmm. So there's a new crunchy uh, chip-like product at Casa de Fritos, competing with Fritos, and nobody has told Fritos that there's this uh, new hot kid on the block. Wait a minute. Is it Doritos? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Wow! Yeah. 
Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com start in 1961, Fritos merges with Lay's. So now all your favorite chips, Cheetos and Fritos and Ruffles and Lay's are under one roof. And there's a new marketing VP for Frito Lame named Arch West, who at, during a Disneyland visit tries these new tortilla chips at Casa de Fritos, likes them better than the Fritos, sorry, John. Wow. And thinks, why are we not selling these nationwide? Doritos. And so Alex Foods is now, you know, wondering if they can produce enough tortilla chips to sell Doritos coast to coast. Doritos, by the way, just a Spanish word for like little golden things. Little golden things. Dorado. De, oh, right. De Oro. You know? Right. Oh, sure. And Alex Foods cannot keep up with demand. So Frito-Lay eventually has to have their plants in Oklahoma and Alabama start turning out. Doritos. Tort yeah, tortilla-like products just so they can fry them up into Doritos. And they're just plain. You would have loved the original Doritos. I knew them well. So the first Doritos I have ever experienced were pre-Nacho Cheese Doritos, which I'm sure you're going to get to. 1972. But I remember plain Doritos, and I loved them. I loved them. And when Nacho Cheese Doritos arrived, my dad really liked Nacho Cheese. And he, would, he started buying Nacho Cheese Doritos. And I was like, no, 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 keep the original Doritos. And it became <clears throat> such that you couldn't even find original Doritos. I was wondering if you can still get original Doritos. So, because, you know, they have Tostitos. If you want to dip your chip, there's a ton of products for that. So I have a little anecdote. That's what I want. If you can believe it. I was on the internet and I tweeted, this is many years ago, I tweeted about Doritos. As you once did. I wouldn't dare do it now. Did you tweet at the brand? <clears throat> no. I just said out loud to no one which was Twitter's signature. As was the style at the time. I said, uh, <clears throat> I always loved original Doritos, and then nacho cheese Doritos swept in, you know, like a plague, like the uh, white riders from above the wall or whatever. And I can never find nice Doritos. This, is a, this is a classic Doritos. old guy take, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to plain Doritos? These are too flavorful. Herb-a-derb. And I was immediately replied to by at Doritos who is searching for their own name uh, several times a minute. Yeah, and at Doritos said, you like old Doritos? And I was like, I do, at I, Doritos. I famously like old food. It's kind of my thing. And they said, what's your address? <laughs> and so I DM'd at Doritos my address, and I came home two days later, and there was a box on my porch the size of a refrigerator. And I opened it up, and there were... 50 full-sized bags of various Doritos products, including old-style Doritos. Which maybe they still sell in, in three markets. Yeah. We still need these for Belize, Saskatchewan, <laughs> and... <laughs> Who knows? Several Louisiana parishes. But I was thrilled, and, uh, you know, I took the ones that were like hot flaming dill ranch flavored Doritos. Old chili lime. And every time I went to a party, I would bring one of these bags of flavored Doritos that are just like energy drink culture Doritos flavor. Red powder. And I, I became, uh, it was like a thing that when people would invite me to things, they would say, and don't bring those gross <laughs> Doritos. <laughs> eventually, I, brought, I took all the gross Doritos and gave them around to people. And you know, I'm sure they all are in the back of people's pantries even now. But that's my Doritos anecdote. For the first five years of Doritos' life, it was a plain chip. Oh, it was it was for, for dipping in something. And better. They're better. They're better than Tostitos. They're better than Rancheritos and 
and Gelitos. So we think of Doritos as a nacho cheese product. But in fact, the first flavor in 68 was just taco flavor. It was just taco spice. Right, right, right. So it kind of had that that cumin-y taste of, of Taco Bell ground beef. Right. And then nacho cheese in 72, 86, Cool Ranch. And this is, I think, a big game changer in American culture. The idea that snack food, as you say, has to be this kind of bold, code red, Mountain Dew, <laughs> extreme sports vibe. Right. Um, you know, that that when you eat it, you should kind of do that grimace that people sometimes do when they when they throw back a shot of something in a movie. Yeah. Like, uh, like you like, eat a chip and you're like, Ugh. The umami is strong in this one. Because <laughs> I don't think we had that idea that, that food should be, I mean, obviously there were cultures that had spicy food, you know, flavorful, not all food was bland. Many parts of the world had, you know, flavorful or spicy food. But this was like just sheer intensity. This was like a normal food, like cheese. But like, let's just concentrate it so much that your tongue kind of goes. We know, I think it's related to the Jimmy Buffettization of the South, right? During the Miami Vice years, there was that kind of, uh, can you eat this hot chili sort of sport food. Right. And I, I don't blame Jimmy Buffett, but like the tech kind of did a little bit, but you know, like he just is emblematic of that culture. You, you think his like, chain restaurant would have had a lot of very bold chicken wings. And it uh, seems like a thing. Like, like, uh, I remember going to a party where the whole point of the party was like, can you eat these hot chilies? Do you remember when it crossed over into candy and like, this candy is so sour, you're going to hate it. Right. And then it'll be like, this candy is 10 times as sour as that other one you hate because it's too sour. I ate a chili that was so hot I barfed. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's not a thing that I wanted to do. It was... Like, normally those kind of, like, hot rainforest chilies they would they would have on National Geographic, they'd be like, this is the habanero pepper only... You know, four people. And today, you know, you go to any chain restaurant, it's like, would you like some of our habanero guacamole uh, 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 smashers or yeah, whatever? Right, you know, right. be, because food's got to be <laughs> jalapeno poppers, bold and guy fieri ish <laughs> at all times. So that was the dawn of it, I guess. I think Doritos, like, by realizing that nacho cheese and then Cool Ranch and were outselling your dad's plain triangular yellow triangles oh, futurelings let me just say people in our time are monsters imagine somebody imagine a time traveler from the past imagine that um galileo or uh marco polo or somebody is finally here and you give them just a regular extra bold cheese dorito or whatever <laughs> and they take a bite like I, that's what i want i want a picture of like old-timey time travelers faces right someone who's just used to eating pigeon yeah i want queen elizabeth the first's face as she like bites into her first extra bold <laughs> dorito and i think it's not great for our culture there's something called the hedonic treadmill where the more input and the more stimulus you get the more of it you need just to feel the same little pleasurable right. jolt because it's greasy it's salty it's crunchy it's everything at once. And then also sour creamy. Yeah, it's too cheesy, cheesy. or dairy or... Yeah, um, it's everything, right? The only thing it's missing is sweet. Is there a sweet component to... I feel like salted caramel is kind of the... Uh, no, you should not... You, an American, in the year of our Lord 2019, should not have to choose between a salty treat and a sweet treat. Salty caramel ice cream yeah, is your exactly. bet noir. Have kettle corn. I actually like it. But, uh -huh. but it's clear that it's like your palate is Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> You burned it out. <laughs> the hedonic treadmill has carried you so far. You are about to zoom off the edge. And the only way you can feel anything now is to have both sweet and salty and possibly like uh, the sour cream and chivy at once. Oh, yeah. Buttered egg noodles used to be enough for me. <laughs> right. Like I would think about them all day. Wow, buttered egg noodles. So we are not ready for the, the collapse of civilization. Do we really think these bold uh, flavor uh, packets are going to survive? Are people going to be scouring the rubble for the top ramen packets so they can just <laughs> pour that on their tongue and, and feel something of how it used to be? Give me that MSG straight up my nose. All right, that's it, Kate. Uh, I hope you're listening. We did the show for you about how Doritos came from Disneyland. Caitlin, this was a show tailor-made for you, and um, I hope that you enjoyed it. And we promise not to do any shows that Dylan likes. We're going to ask your brother what kinds of topics he would hate to hear on the show. Yeah. And then we're going to do those. Anytime we mention Dylan from now on, we're also going to mention Caitlin. We're going to keep eight years of receipts of how much each of you liked each of these shows, and we're going to make sure it's within 20. I hope that when I come 
to visit your house and have dinner at your home, you remember to greet me and say, hello, John. Thank you for the nice podcast. Hello, Mr. Roderick. Hello, Mr. Roderick. Thank you for the nice podcast about Doritos and how they came from Disneyland. I haven't been around your kids enough that they call me Uncle John. What do you think it would take? Is that what you want? I mean, it's maybe a little too late. Do any kids call you Uncle John? No, no. No. And I really, I, I feel like Uncle John is where I... Where I should have That's been where in the you world. Live. Yeah, you should be a kids TV host, after school TV host, if that was a thing anymore. Uncle John's fun and cartoon hour. I do have a niece who calls me Unky, but she's like 38 now. So I feel like it's a little ironic. Okay, Kate and Dylan, this is this is Dad and Uncle John signing off. If it's after 10, please turn off your devices. And that concludes Tortilla Chips. Entry 1320.GN4226, certificate number 42729, in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era. Speaking of hedonic treadmills. Boy, I'll say. Just a little, I need a little more dopamine from seeing another vacation photo. It used to be fun just to say nothing into the air and get a reply from Doritos. I like plain Doritos. (laughs) Now you have to say, Alexa, I like plain Doritos. Don't, don't. She's going to say something. Oh, it didn't happen this time. Oh, we're in an Alexa-armed room right now. She's going <laughs> to start playing. The bunker now has Alexa, and it accidentally starts playing Doritos music. She's like, I found Doritos music found, on Spotify. Do you want Despacito? <laughs> <laughs> I, do feel, I do feel strongly that you're right. We have, we're on the hedonic treadmill. Just doing it to feel more stuff all the time. And so what will Futurelings be experiencing? It'll just be electrodes connected to their genitals. And every time... That's every, how they get the show. Yeah. Omnibus is a series of pulses you receive to your genitals. <laughs> it's ones and zeros, but in the form of long and short. That's why they short. like it when you ring the bell so much. That's yeah. a real, that's a wavelength you don't get a, otherwise. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you can go see our uh, social media... In your museums. ...junk at, uh, at Omnibus Project. And uh, go hang out with Ken at Ken Jennings and hang out with me at John Roderick. Great times. We are two of the only people on the internet that are not trying to make you feel bad with every post. We're not even trying to get free stuff from Frito-Lay anymore. I, well, you know, uh, one of the first th- tweet storms I ever did was I was mad at Firestone because the manager of the local Firestone that tried to fix my dad's car, did a bad job, and then he was, like, uh, the wrong sort of obsequious. Mm. He was, like, passive-aggressively obsequious. And so I tweeted, like, Firestone is bad. And then Firestone replied to me, and I was so mad at their little, you know, obsequious reply that I was like, Firestone! And I did all day long, I was just like, Firestone is, you know, they they are going to kill you with their bad tires. I don't remember. You know, it was early tweet storm days. And uh, I still won't go into a Firestone. I think I made myself a lot madder than I was. You can't in. go into a Firestone. They have your picture. There are. I think there's a black mark next to me in, in Hilton Hotel Register. Hire phone him, Harvey Firestone himself will kick you oh. out of did you, what did you. What did you do at Hilton? Oh, I did a tweet storm against the uh, Crystal uh, City Hilton in Washington, D.C. So much that they came to my room. And knocked on the door. Sir, please do not do this from within the hotel. And said, Kit, will you answer the door? We would like to discuss this with you. And I, and so I was tweeting like, there are thugs at my door. <laughs> you never should have been like, here in room 1009, which has not been clean. <laughs> well, yeah. And I was making up this, all this stuff. Like there's blood, there's blood on the walls. <laughs> and so when I left the hotel, like I snuck out through the service elevator and through the kitchen and out the back door and I was tweeting the whole way. But you're still in the wilds of Crystal City. You have to walk two hours to get back inside the beltway. Yeah, so I so I still feel like when I check into a Hilton, they give me the side eye. I have said this on Omnibus before, but my streak is intact of never having used Twitter for customer service. Oh, really? You never have said Delta Airlines respond to my thing? We've been on the tarmac for 20 minutes at Delta Airlines. <laughs> no. And it's so tempting. It's yeah. so tempting. Well, I don't do it anymore, but I was I was an early adopter of TweetStorm. Not and the thing is I you never kind of invented it. In the future you're going mm-hmm. you're going to be most famous for that. For TweetStorm. There's going to be a statue of you like shaking your fist yeah. and it'll be like John Roderick pictured yelling at a brand. Hash after the bash. The thing was Hilton ended up offering me like 
three nights free Hilton. And I w- I never took any product <laughs> except for Doritos. But I was never like, I never said, I never acquiesced. I was, I always would retweet their crap offer and say, this, look at you trying to buy your way out of this trouble. That was difficult. There's an old joke about a guy on a train trying to get Tutti Frutti ice cream, and the train does not have Tutti Frutti ice cream, no matter how much he requests and rants and raves. <laughs> and finally, at the end, they stop and give the guy some, get the guy some, somebody runs into town to get the guy some Tutti Frutti ice cream. And they finally present it to him after hours of demands. And he says, I'd rather have my grievance. <laughs> and I feel like that's probably you. That was me. I'd rather have my grievance. I would much rather have Hilton. a black mark next to my name than three free nights. <laughs> Uh, you can come see me be this difficult and curmudgeonly on my Instagram account. Uh, you can put a, put a face to a name and, uh, you can email us both, but only Ken will read the email at the omnibus project at gmail.com. Email us with your suggestions for shows. And, uh, that and, sounds a little desperate, John. And I will start using your, your show suggestions so rather we, than steal Ken. So we don't have to do yours, your, <laughs> your, your, uh, show ideas like frozen water. <laughs> Ants. The number 14. (laughs) Have you ever really thought of ants? Uh, Also, go to our Facebook page, uh, The Omnibus Futurelings, where uh, people mostly have a good time. Sometimes they get into disagreements with one another. That's kind of fun, speaking of ants. It is a little fun. Just to watching them, just to watch them kind of poke at each other. Yeah, when they're having fun, Ken and I normally don't reply, but when people get all, like, up on it, that's, Every once in a while, that's Canada. when we have to kind of lower ourselves yeah. out of the flying saucer and be like, people of Earth. Yeah. We'll swing in and Ken will say something funny. And generally when I get on there, I am just indignant about something. Some <laughs> accusation that I feel was specious. And I go, how dare you? And then I remember, oh, no, 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 don't do that. They can't see me shaking my fist. Uh, please mail us things that, uh, like, for instance, when your grandfather dies and you're going through his effects and you find something cool that you think, I don't really need this old medallion or pair of sunglasses. His old or, bomber jacket. Yeah. You can mail that stuff to us at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Listeners, we speak to you from the distant past. This is a time before the EMP pulse that maybe wipes out all sensory input at all and returns Earth to its natural preordained state of blandness Mm. that the good Lord intended. Yeah. Maybe maybe all cool ranch will be the first thing to go. When beings would stick their proboscis out of their mouth to taste snow. A thing that has no taste. Yeah. Also, I think a proboscis is a nose. Oh right! Are you imagining future links sticking their nose yeah. out of their mouths like an like an alien with a with another <laughs> little alien head inside their alien jaw? As we do, we stick our proboscis out <laughs> and collect snow up our nostrils. We have no idea how long our civilization will survive before the hedonic treadmill either pushes us into an endless state of orgiastic bliss or returns us to an eternity of dark blandness. We hope and pray that whatever the catastrophe is. It will hold off. Perhaps it will never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, maybe our final word to you. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.